What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Skate Church Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Shadow, and out here in our Fort Myers studio is my guy, Brandon Baker. Yo. We are out here going through every Devo for this uh, Skate Church Movement Devo plan. We got 52 weeks worth of Devos on www.skatechurchmovement.com. If you haven't checked them out, check them out. You can use them as devos for yourself for your own personal devo plan, or you can use these lessons to go and lead skate church in your local skate parks. Um, we've been doing that for the past like 11 weeks or so now, and it's been going super good. We're seeing kids like asking questions, and hopefully you guys are too if you're using this out there in your parks as well. Um, but yeah, these are all devos that were written by skaters for skaters. So yeah, if you ever are feeling overwhelmed, like how do I lead how do I lead skate church, or where do I begin, what do I start, or where do I begin with my own stuff? Like, dude, look no further than um, this website. We just wanted to be a resource for you guys, um, at least to be a launching pad of what you can talk about in the future with your with your skaters and how to make connections with them as well. So, um, but yeah, but this week we're talking about God in comparison to us. We've been going through all these different God-themed uh, lessons in the last couple of weeks, and tonight we've stumbled upon God in comparison to us. So, yeah, without further ado, all intros aside, we're just going to get right into this. So, Brandon, kick us off with this week's topic. All right, so to start things off, we had a, a serious moment, a serious moment at the skate park last night. Oh, that's right. You could hear a pin drop. It was it was intense. We yeah. had to get we had to get really open and honest and and dare I say vulnerable. Yeah. So I led by asking for people to be willing to confess tonight who it was that started mm. off their skateboarding by pushing Mongo. Mm, and dare I say I was one of them. Yeah. I raised my hand very ashamedly, but I, I, you weren't I, alone. You weren't alone. There I wasn't is, alone. There's, there's a bunch of us. Four. There's three or three or four others with you that night, and we know of plenty more. We were lost once, but now we're found. That's and what matters. Now you're found. Um, so I was asking about that because I didn't push Mongo, but I've always heard the stigma. I've heard what people say about it, and why whenever you're teaching someone to skate, why you teach them not to do that, other than it just not looking as good. It's not. It's not attractive. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not a, that attractive. But there are some more key points to why we don't push Mongo whenever we skate, why it is better to push with your back foot and use your front foot to keep yourself stable. And so we went through and we asked each of the guys, Derek, be, you being one of them, like when you did stop pushing Mongo, like what differences were it, like found in your skateboarding? Eventually I felt more confident when I learned how to skate normal. I didn't get made fun of so much. But now <laughs> when I skate switch, it looks pretty natural though. I'm like, I don't have the Stevie Williams or the Josh Kalis, like, you know, Mongo switch pushing, but I can look like I'm skating normal. The style is switch. good. Yeah. Good switch style. Good switch style. Um, one of our dudes, I think it was Carson, who brought up that his um, his ability to do to do lines uh, for skateboarding became a lot easier because it made it more easy to do foot placements to already have your foot uh, your front foot to get into position for things. Oh yeah. Um, which I never thought about. I never realized because I didn't have to go through that battle. Makes um, sense. So so like there were just so many different things that that you didn't realize. Um, that you didn't realize that were available to you until people really pointed it out. You don't know any better until it's until someone points out that there is a different way to do things, that there is a different option for it. So that was where we started off. We we went to the idea of like those who didn't push Mongo to the um, and those who did to then even people who have different skill levels, different skill caps. Like you can compare the new kid at the skate parks kickflips to the guy who's been there for years and his kickflips. The amount of pop that has had, the amount of dip that the kickflip has, and and how much it gets boned down. Like it's totally different whenever you compare the two, but it's still achievable. That guy who's been at the skate park for ten years and that has the most flawless kickflips. It didn't always look like that. He was the kid who just showed up on day one trying to do kickflips once upon a time. And that, that kind of ties into an aspect of this topic in comparing God to us. 
that we're going to dive down into and, and help understand with the idea of perfection. The definition of perfection that we have is something that meets the exact expectation or quality to the T of it. So like there is a perfect kickflip, one that pops up off of the ground, flips, does not rock it, and whenever you land it, you're, you're landing bolts. No toe drag, nothing. Looks good, looks clean, it is proper. You can probably think of like the ideal kickflip in your mind, probably like P-Rod or someone completely um, substantial doing a kickflip that comes to your mind whenever you think of that trick. So, in regards to, to us, whenever we think of perfection, we always see it as something that is not possible, not attainable, and a word that we used to describe God, that we've talked about this uh, in the past weeks, is perfection. God is perfection. He is this something that it can never do bad. It is, he is all things good, all things right, all things perfect. But then we come into the next thing. Is perfection something that we can attain? What about the idea of holiness? What even is holiness? I always see holiness as um, holy being set apart. And along with that, we always use the words perfection and holiness in the same category all the time. But the two things are different in my opinion, because perfection is something that's like, we have no blemish. The only person on earth who has ever been perfect, who has ever walked a completely sinless life and was never with sin at all was Christ. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus mm -hmm. came and did his thing. He lived a perfect life. We can't do that, but he died so we could be set free from our sin. It's like, we may still stumble up once in a while, but that again, because we are imperfect people, but we should never let that discourage us and like put us down and say, oh, I can never be perfect. So why should I even bother trying? Because he wants us to try. He wants us to keep looking more like the sun. We're supposed to be conformed to his image, not to the image of the world. And in the same way with holiness, though, it's not trying to be like without blemish and without fault. Being holy is setting yourself apart. Like, dude, don't set yourself up for failure. Don't mm -hmm. put yourself in scenarios yeah. where you know you're going to stumble. You know you're going to sin. It's like, no, you are called to be a per people who are set apart. So don't go into the places that you know that you're just going to set yourself up for failure and go back to your old ways. It's like, dude, you were once this way and now you're a new creation. You are set apart. You are a different person now. So dude, walk in this way. That's completely different from the way you used to walk. So I always see it as that, as like holiness being, dude, I'm walking in a way that sets me apart from everything else in the world because we are called to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and uh, to not conform to the patterns of the world. But I think about this all the time. I always go into Paul when I, when I think of the word perfection. It takes me to Philippians chapter three, yeah. uh, verses 12 to 14. And I'll just read those real quick. Again, this is a dude who you could say, oh, he wrote majority of the books in the New Testament. Like, homie's got it together, man. He knows his stuff. But we we all know his past. I'm assuming if you listen to the, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know Paul's past. But he says here, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. Or some uh, translations say, I haven't reached perfection yet, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not uh, consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do is forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is like, dude, I have my own crap. I, I'm trying. I'm running this race. I'm straining. You can see like the veins popping out of his neck. He's trying to run with so much vigor and just gusto, whatever you want to call it. And he's like, I'm moving forward. I may stumble. I may fall back there like, you know, a mile down that way. I may have fallen down, but I got back up and I'm still running ahead. I was like, you know what? I may not be perfect, but I'm still going to keep pushing ahead towards that goal. Like that's what he's telling us right there. So we can take hope in that. It's like, 
we may not be able to reach it, but we get a step closer every single day. And thank God for grace. I always say like, God is God and we are not. Thank God for that. That's how God in comparison to us really relates. It's like, we need him. Like, I mean, and I'm maybe be jumping the gun right here, maybe leading into what Brandon's going to talk about here. It's like, we can only do what we see God doing. Like Jesus can only do what he saw the father doing. So in the same way, it's like, if we can't reach perfection, we can look towards the one who is perfect and ask him for the grace every day through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to walk in accordance with his will and, and try, try to look more like him, to be God with skin on to everyone around us that we meet. Everything that you're tracking with, like I'm fully, fully behind you with saying that. So we have like the perfection and holiness topic. We have perfection, which is meeting the expectations to a T. And then we have holiness, which is being set apart, exceeding the expectations that we have. But then we have Paul, the person who is... Like you said, written so much of the Bible, really a testament to the Christian faith in all of the acts and things that he did. But then he says that he was straining toward the goal, not striving toward the goal, which is everything that we always think of. We try to get ourselves the mindset of like, we're striving. There's no struggles. We eliminate that thought instead of, or we see that and we're like, oh, it's impossible. There's no way I can attain perfection. There's no way I can attain holiness. But God's telling us all throughout the Bible, various scripture where he's saying, be holy as I am holy. And he can only say that because he can't lie. So if he's saying, be holy as I am holy, like be set apart because I'm set apart, dude, it's possible. We can actually do it. Like God won't try to trick you. He won't tell you to do something if it's not possible because it's impossible for God to lie. So what he did was he sent his son to die for us. And in a sweet scripture, this was before Jesus Jesus died on the cross for us. We have a passage in Ezekiel where it is worded so so perfect and eloquent of how this is attainable to us. In uh, Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, and I will give you a new heart. This is what God says. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So everything that we've been saying when it comes to striving to perfection and striving to be holy as he is holy, we get so scared. We, we don't know if we can go forward with it, but in the previous weeks we've been talking about the Trinity. The Spirit is within you. God has left that to you. He has given that to you through his grace and mercy and love. And when we think that we can't do it, it's possible, but we're just so, so limited in our thinking because we're, we're scared. Like, like the kid who's pushing Mongo and doesn't know that there's a different way to push. We don't realize that there is more to us, that there is more that can happen that is possible to happen. And which is another, uh, brings me to another piece of scripture in John five, when Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. We don't know it's possible until we see someone do it, until we recognize that it's possible to achieve. And Jesus did it. We said, we agreed that he was 100% human, mm -hmm. not just God. Then we see Paul, this person who was very much like us, who was rugged, did so many vile things in his life, murdering people, like one of the top 10 uh, things that you could do to make you not a good person. Mm -hmm. And God took his stony heart and he redeemed him. He made it possible that someone, anyone, could strive and more literally and realistically strain to become holy what's cool is he also knew like where his help came from i mean like he was able to attribute and say you know our age-old verse we always say so much like philippians um 4 13 like i can do all things through christ who gives me strength it's like yeah. he knew where his source came from to allow him to find 
contentment in every scenario, to find joy even in the midst of prison, in the midst of whatever verbal backlashes he may have had from people saying, dude, we know who you used to be. Like, whatever, man. Like, he's still able to say, like, God, give me strength. Like, you're the reason why I do what I do. And when we have Holy Spirit guiding us, man, like, he leads us to those places where we can do anything. We can be more than conquerors. All that rad stuff. Yeah, that makes it that much more empowering. That's why in in this scripture in John, whenever it says son and father, it's not referring to a story of a kid and his dad. No, it's capital S and capital F. The son doesn't know unless he sees what his father is doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm hyped on that. One other thing that I want to touch on before we close up shop with this one is we've talked about how, like, you know, God is perfect. We are not, but we are called to, he's also holy and we're invited to be uh, holy as he is holy. And we're invited to just strain after looking more like Christ because he is perfect in every single way. Knowing that some things are out of our control, but yet God is always in control. Like that's a big difference between us and God all the time is knowing like sometimes we have circumstances happen and we're like, man, why do bad things happen to good people? Or, oh, why did this thing happen to me when I was a kid? Or why did I have to go through this thing? And what's cool is this week we're doing a study on the life of Joseph in the Bible. And that's a prime example of like, man, like Joseph, I'm pretty positive, was always like, man, my life is out of control. My (laughs) My brothers sold me into slavery. Like that's pretty messed up for your family to do that to you. There's so many crazy things in his story, but... Spoiler alert, I mean, you see how the end of Joseph's story turns out. He becomes second in command over all of Egypt. And what's so rad is his brothers and his father finally come up to him and they're like, dude, Joseph, oh my God, like, forgive us. Like, don't, don't do anything to us. And he's like, dude, everything you meant for evil, God used for good. Like, it just shows in, like, later on, he's able to say, like, dude, God was in control full, full mm-hmm. force. But I'm sure in the moments he could have said, man, what am I doing being sold in slavery. What am I doing in jail? What am I doing? He was in jail for 12 years. Like that sounds pretty miserable, but scripture tells us wherever Joseph was at, however miserable the circumstances were, it says, but God was with him when he was in Potiphar's house. God was with him in prison. Like, dude, all these times it's like, man, things were out of control, but were they really? It's like in our eyes, it's like, dude, the cards are stacked against you and the waves are surrounding you, but man, at the same time, like God is having you right where you need to be. If Joseph wasn't in that pit, he couldn't have been brought into Potiphar's house. If he wasn't in Potiphar's house, he wouldn't have been in jail. But if he wasn't in jail, he wouldn't have met the people who were working for Pharaoh who would later become like his dude he'd be second command with. So it's just crazy to say that God is always in control. Wherever you're at, just know that God is positioning you, man. Like he uses all things to work together for the good of those who love him. It's like he doesn't cause bad things to happen, but he sure does know how to use you in the places that you're in, yeah. um, which is for God to know and not for us to know. And that's a big difference with us and him, But which leads to like the last thing I want to say is understand that God's grace doesn't always make sense. No. And that's one of the most important things that we can ever understand, I think, is that God's grace isn't for us to wrap our heads around fully and, for instance, like someone could do wrong to me or I could disagree with somebody. I mean... I'll just be bold to say like there could be people in the media or in politics that you may or may not agree with, but whether you disagree with a politician, whether you disagree with someone else in the media or a big voice out there, doesn't matter how much you might disagree with somebody, that person's still created in the image of God. That person is still in Jesus' eyes worth dying for. Like Jesus died for literally the whole world, man. It's like, you know, he so loved the world that God gave his only son so that like no one would perish, but everyone could have eternal life. I, I get thrown off by that. Cause I'm like, dude, there's so many people. I'm like, that guy is a scumbag or that guy's a liar. Or how can God love a terrorist? Or how could God love this person? But it's like, dude, 
that doesn't make sense to me, but that's not for me to understand. I'm not God, but God is, and God is love, and God loves that person, and God created mankind in his own image, and no one's beyond redemption. Like, I know I'm getting, like, worked up. I'm going all over the place right now, but I'm just trying to say that, like, I may not be able to forgive somebody, but God forgives them. I may not be able to have grace for someone that wronged me, but God has grace for them. Or I may have disagreements with people, but God doesn't care about, like, our disagreements. Like, he cares about, like, loving that person. And that person knowing that they were made in his image and they were born to be loved by him. I mean, I know that might sound like a lot right there, but I don't know. It, it takes me back to Jonah and I'll close with this story. Jonah is one giant story, a giant whale of a tale where <laughs> it's a dude who's called to go and preach to a city that's been rebelling. That's just been messing up. And he's told to preach the world's shortest sermon. All he says is 40, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He just walks on the city. That's the shortest sermon they could ever preach. And the whole city ends up repenting, which is so tight. He preached the sermon and then the Ninevites believed God and they proclaimed a fast and the city was saved. And Jonah's waiting on a hill. This dude who just proclaimed this thing like Nineveh is going to be overthrown, but God rescues the city because he gives those second chances, those third chances. There's like how many chances he gives us. God makes no sense, but he does it. Jonah's waiting for the city to be destroyed. And then he's like, oh yeah, God, of course you would give your grace upon the city. Of course you would forgive them. Of course you would love them. Of course you would give them another chance. And he's frustrated to the point where eventually he's like, I'd rather die right now because I don't want to, I don't even want to live anymore because he can't understand God's grace. But again, like it's not for us to understand the heart of God, but if we can catch a glimpse of man, Lord, help me love someone the way that you love someone, help me give grace to someone the way that you give grace. Cause man, in my flesh and in my imperfection and my weakness as a, as a human being, like I don't know how, but throughout the Bible over and over, we see his demonstrations of grace and look no further than to the grace that he gave you. It's like, we're so quickly to look at someone else and say, look at that person. I can't trust them. They're a liar. They're a cheater. They're whatever. It's like, dude, how many times have I lied? Have I cheated? Have I gone astray? Have I done something that I'm like, Ugh. like I literally like twitch sometimes when I think about stuff I've done in the past, but I'm like, but God, you saved me. Thank you for that. And that is the biggest thing I can think of when comparing God to us, it's like, he's forgiving. I want to be forgiving, but am I always, but he always is forgiving. He's got grace. Do I always have grace? Man, no, I always fail at that, but he is perfect. I'm not, but man, if we are called as Christ people, like Christians, we are Christ followers as that we are called to look like him, to smell like him, to love like him, whatever it might be. We may stumble upon the way, but we're not meant to stay in our struggles. Just like Paul, we press on towards the goal to which Christ has called us towards. We may not understand, but we get to be his children. And at the end of the day, if we see God as our father and we see ourselves as a son and as a daughter, we're right where we need to be. And we're able to walk in line with the Holy Spirit to do what we see Jesus did in the Bible, to see God's example of love that he demonstrated and walk it out. Yeah, that's all I got there. I, I get excited about this because... Yeah, go off, man. God is God and I am not. Thank God for that. I already Thank said God. that, but I'll say it again. But that's what we have for you guys. God in comparison to us. But yes, I'm out of breath. So with that, um, Brandon, I'll let you transition us out, man. <laughs> all right, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. I hope that you're able to take something from this week and apply it to, to the next week and hopefully understand God more differently and how he views us and how we should strive to view him as well. And maybe you could do something that, and I quote Derek saying, try and uh, learn to smell like God.
Yeah, with that, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another weekly episode of the Skate Trip Movement Podcast. And until then, keep pushing forward. <laughs>